All right. Let's um. Whew, let's start. <laughs> I sound like I don't want to start, but I, I really do. Um. Listen. The the only difference between like my grief is no different than your grief, right? The only difference is I'm holding a microphone. Just remember that, right? So I feel the weight of. Um, I told Wendy, like, it's just this fog. Like, it's, you just sit down to start trying to think, and you just can't even focus. And so, um, so here's what I'm trusting this morning, and I appreciate you giving me grace in this. I am trusting that what God has placed in me will come out today, right? Um, now, if it doesn't come out um, in a way that seems that good, we'll just trust the Holy Spirit to fix it from the microphone to your ears, Right? Are you good with that? So I want you to um, close your eyes. I want you to raise your hands. And I'm going to just pray right now. Father, I pray for all these ears, God. I definitely pray for my mouth. But I pray that between this mic and their ears, man, you would take your word. And you would speak to us what we need to hear. Literally, I pray this morning, God, word of God, speak. Because your word is active. It's living. And it will tell us everything we need to know. So we're coming to your word with hunger this morning, God. And we're asking that you would show us your truth in your name, Jesus. Amen. We're going to be in Luke chapter 15. We are kicking off this series called I'll Be Home for Christmas. Um, I told you this is something that I wanted to do last year. But <laughs> remember last year? And it was like nobody wanted to be home anymore, right? Like we were done. Like I don't want, I'm going to be anywhere but home for Christmas. But this year we really felt like we're going to bring that back. We're going to do I'll Be Home for Christmas. And, and when we first started talking about this, what I felt like we would do is have like s'mores and hot chocolate. You know, like that real homey type of thing. And like that was going to be the point. But I don't know if you, if you follow a lot of... Um, ministries around the globe and what people preach around the globe but I, I listen to a lot of stuff and it has blown my mind it shouldn't because this is the way God works but there's like a universal message around the globe in this season and do you know what it is it's all about prodigals coming home and God has taken this whole series and so for the next three weeks we're just going to hang out in Luke chapter 15 okay and we're going to talk about just the prodigal son story. And you may have heard this before. Um, probably if you were raised in church, you have. And maybe if you're old enough and raised in church, you, you had Final Graph when they did it, right? Which, by the way, you know what Final Graph is? It's like just stuff stuck on stuff, right? It's, it's back. Did you know that? That's crazy. How everything cycles back. Like people are using Flannel Graph again. What in the world? Like Hobby Lobby sales is going to go through the roof, right? Um, so we're just going to hang out in, the, in, this, in this chapter and just try to just squeeze everything we can out of this story that Jesus told about a son who was lost. And, and here's, here's the big idea today. God wants us all home for Christmas. He wants all of us home for Christmas. So Luke chapter 15, um, let's just start in verse 11. Here we go. Jesus continued. Because he'd already told two stories. We'll get to those in weeks to come. 
Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out. To a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, everybody say long way. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, act two, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Side note, I don't think he had any. <laughs> but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him? My son, the father said, you were always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, and he is found. Let me just quickly, I really think this will be quick, give you some really basic points that I want you to take home today as we kick off this series. Because I know this because I was raised in church. That any time in a church environment you start talking about the prodigal son, you divide the, the crowd into two groups. The minority group bows their head because they know that they are the worst person on the planet. But most of the people in the room turn their head to the people who bowed their head and go, mm-hmm, it's a good thing you're here today. So point number one, we're all prodigals. I'm, I'm trying to just let that settle so that I don't, like, jump up on a soapbox and start really preaching against religion. But religion will convince you that you're not a prodigal. But we're all. Everybody say all. all. We are all prodigals. Here's some things I want you to think about these, these sons, just some similarities. 
Both of the sons saw only rules. Now, the younger son, he saw rules, and he was like, uh, I can't be in this environment, so I'm going to need to take your money, Dad. Give me my money. And by the way, back in the day when this was written, if there was an inheritance, and we'll just use round numbers, like $100,000. Who could use that right now, right? If there was $100,000 and they said, hey, give me my share of the inheritance, the younger son's share wasn't $50,000. It was $33,000. He got one-third of the father's estate. The older brother got $67,000. You with me? That's the way the laws were back then. So when the younger son said, hey, give me my money, he's like, I'm taking my $33,000, and I'm going to get out of this place because all this place is is a legalistic dad who makes me do stuff that he wants me to do. But the, the older brother, who got twice as much money, stayed in an environment where he believed that all his dad was was legalistic and only making him do stuff, right? Because that's what he said at the end. I have slaved for you and slaved for you. So both sons saw their father's house as a place of rules only. There was no relationship, which brings me to the second thing they had in common. Both of the sons were distant from the father. One was distant by distance. The other was distant in his presence. And both sons were lost. And we're, listen, we're all prodigals. If you don't get anything else out of today, would you please write this down, make a note on your phone, or burn it into your brain? Both of these sons squandered things. The younger son squandered the father's provision, but the older son squandered the father's presence. And that is where the church today is. Most of us in the room, listen, it's about to get real. Tell the person next to you, he doesn't mean it personally. I mean, God does, but I don't, right? Because this is a hard message to preach after we just had worship, right? So just hang with me, okay? Just hear my heart. Listen, if we come, if we come into church and listen, this morning, I mean, it's always good, right? But it was just, it's just beautiful this morning, right, how the presence of God was here. If we could come into church, be around that, get in our car and not be changed, we're the older son. You get that, right? We're squandering his presence. When, when people like George Barna can do research and find out that the statistics in the church are as bad as they are in the world, I'm not sure that's completely true, but let's roll with it for right now. That means that the church is squandering the presence of the Father while we do all the things that we're supposed to do. Listen, we are the older son, most of us. We're all prodigals. And if we're all prodigals, then here's your second point. We all need to come home. Can we play um, silent word association? Don't say it out loud. But if I say the word home, what pops in your head? I mean, for some of us, it's like, I love that place, right? But there are people in this room right now and when I say the word home, you don't want to go back there. There's pain involved, right? 
It, it costs something. You don't, I don't want to be a part of that anymore. I've gotten, this, I've gotten away from that. And I don't say that. I, I just want to make sure that you know that as we say the word home a lot for the next three weeks, I'm not saying that what God wants you to do is jump back in like this unhealthy, toxic, violent, you might die situation. But what he does want you to know is that home might not be what you thought it was. So I need you to think a little differently. When you hear the word home, I need you to not just turn me off. But open yourself up to the fact that God might have a different idea about what home is. Because all of us need to come back home. And it all starts by coming to our senses. Did you read that part in here midway through when he wanted to eat the stuff that the pigs were eating? And y'all, if you want to eat what pigs eat, you're not in a good place. Can we agree on that at least? It says that he wanted to eat it, and I never even noticed this until I was reading it to y'all. And I just love that when you read the Word of God out loud and you see something new. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He was feeding the pigs. I just always, I guess in my head, thought like he could just take some and just eat it. But he couldn't even get that. That's how bad it was for him. And so when we want to come back home, it all starts by coming to our senses. That very next verse says, when he came to his senses. Literally, that translation means this, when he came to himself. So what, what God's looking for in a room full of prodigals, he's looking for people who will come back to who they are. Who will look at their lives, whether your life is squandered through prostitutes and wild living or you're squandering his presence through the routine of religion and never really knowing what you got. He's looking for people who will evaluate where they are in life and have this moment where they go, what am I doing here? Now, you could hear that and, and take it one of two ways. Paul said, if I'm coming to church and I'm not really getting anything out of it, and I should, I should have a moment where I say, what am I doing here? And I should go to another church. Probably not because you'll still be the problem. You'll just go bless another church. I didn't even use air quotes. <laughs> Bless. It doesn't mean that we have to leave where we are. Are we learning anything from the younger son? He left where he was, went somewhere completely different as far as he could go, and had the same problem. And why is that? Because he was there. What he wants you to realize is this is not who I am. I have an identity as a son or a daughter of God, which means if I step into a place where his children are gathered and his presence is there, it should do something to me, right? We, we, we hung out yesterday with two of our three children because one's in New York and it was a long commute. But the closer we got to where we were meeting, I was just like, holy cow, I can't wait. I think I might have sped. More than normal, right? And yet, do I have any nine mile an hour over speeders? Like all the, t do we have any cops in the room? Okay, we're good. We're good. Woo! I was like, pan the camera right here, y'all. That's where we're gonna go. I mean, I think I, I just naturally speed, which probably isn't good, but I'm just confessing it to you. 
But yesterday, it was like I would have gotten a ticket, right? Because I was just like, I can't wait to see. That's what he's after, right? He's after this, like, I just want to, I'm with the people that I love, and I can't wait to see them. I can't wait to embrace them and hold them close. And when's the last time you felt that way about God? Well, I can't really hold God. He's invisible. Is he? These are his hands. These are his feet. I, could have, I should have done both at the same time. I would have done a split. It would have been awesome. So when I see you, I'm seeing Jesus. If I'm hugging you, I'm holding Jesus. Don't get theological on me. You know what I'm saying, right? So when we're together, we're with the Father. Some of us don't want to come back home because we don't like our brothers and sisters. I understand that. I mean, not like I like my sister, Laura. That's all. Sorry. Sorry. I, I heard it come out of my mouth, and I was like, you got whiplash, too. You were like, what? Did he just? And I like, but can we just make an honest statement? Sometimes we don't like the people that we love. We love them, but we don't like what they do. We don't like how they treat us, right? I mean, that's a real obstacle. If I say we all need to come home and you're like, uh, no, I don't. And now I'm not talking about your physical home, right? Because home isn't just where you grew up. Home is also, spiritually speaking, where you grow up. And sometimes we don't want to get close to those people. I, I just prefer my distance. Thank you so much, right? Have you ever had a season where you weren't around Christians as much? And you were like, I kind of feel bad about this, but I like it. It's not because God doesn't want us to be together. It's because being together is hard sometimes. We see that in the older son. I mean, his younger brother has come back. The father's words, he was dead and now he's alive. And the brother's actions were, I liked it better when he was dead. It's a little messy for me. But to restore the relationships, if we all come home together, then we're not just coming home like, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Father. Oh, how I love you more than that one. Or it's like, no, it's like if we're coming back to him, then we're also coming back together to him. And if we're being honest, this is great, but this is hard. And that's what we see in the brothers. We don't know what the younger brother thought. I'm not sure that the younger bro brother was in there celebrating, partying, eating the fatty calf, and wondering where his brother was. We don't know. We got to come back to who we are. We are sons and daughters, we are not slaves. And I say this passionately to people that are sitting in a church. Sorry, I was just buying time to let that settle. The older son, his own words to his father is, I have slaved for you all these years. If, if our summation of a lifetime of serving Jesus is, hey, God, I've slaved for you all these years, then I'm not trying to be cute here, but 
You're a slave, not saved. Because he doesn't save us to make us slaves. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. Now I willingly choose to serve. Yes? This older son, man, just stood out of me so much yesterday when I was reading through this again. How the younger son, as a son, goes as far away from his father as he possibly can. He starts to like prostitutes, parties, the whole deal. He's like making it rain everywhere. He's feeding pigs at the end of it. It's, there's a famine. He has no money. Haven't you noticed that the really bad things happen when you have nothing left? And in that place, when he came to himself, he remembered that he was a son. You see that in the story? Oh, I'm a son. How do we know he remembered that? Because in the speech that he put together, he was going to tell his dad, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I know I am your son, but I'm not worthy to be called it. So I'll just be your slave. I'll be your servant. So you have the younger son who knows he's a son and asked to be a servant. And you have the older son who only sees himself as a servant, as a slave. Because they're both lost. They're both far from their father. Listen, you don't earn sonship and you don't squander sonship. They were both sons and neither one of them really saw it that way. We're all prodigals and we all need to come home. Here's your last point. Home is a person, not a place. Home is anywhere that we are near the Father. That's part one. Hang with me. Um, where do you like to go? Like, where do you feel close to the Father? Um, I, I'm kind of all over the place. I don't have favorite places necessarily, but, like, I love the beach. You know, I have beach people here. Okay, a lot of hands there. There's just something about being out in the ocean and, like, just realizing how small I am and there are giant things under the water that could take me under at any moment, right? And then knowing that they didn't, it just makes me appreciate God, right? <laughs> Thank you, Father, for protecting me from all that stuff, right? Or walking on the beach, getting up early for a sunrise, or staying out late for the sunset, feeling the breeze. Like you just feet, toes in the sand, and you're just like, it's just little old me, and wow. What about the mountains? Any mountain people here? I saw mountain and beach people. Like, that's me too. <laughs> Which is great. Alternating weekends, yes? Just be back for church. Okay. So, I love the mountains too. There's just something about like standing there small, looking at all this. I mean, our trip to Utah. I mean, I can't believe I didn't wreck the car. Everywhere I drove, I drove like this. I mean, I just, it's, a, it's so beautiful. Like, I don't know where you go to connect. Maybe you can't go to the mountains, you can't go to the beach, so you just go to, like, Chuck Moorhead or Rock Creek Park or walk on a trail somewhere, Mar Mountain, whatever you do. Maybe for you it's the back porch and coffee. I don't know. I, I'm all those things, right? Check this out. A lot of people are content to only have that. Because that is so peaceful, right? It feels so shalom-ish. And yet, 
what we see in this story is that home is anywhere that we're near the Father. But do you know what the Father wants? The Father wants all of us to also be near each other. Now, that'll ruin the shalom that that cup of coffee gave you all by yourself. Is this too honest? Is this too real? And the reason why this is important is because I really believe this. I believe this. We are, I don't know. I don't, I'm not a sign. I don't know if we're coming to the end of anything, right? But at some point, at, until Jesus comes back, there will be reasons for people to stay divided. But at some point, here's what I see happening in the church today. Our church, the church. For a while, it felt good to kind of be like this. But everybody, no matter what spectrum, or where you are on the spectrum, politically, economically, socially, maskily, whatever, wherever you are, everybody feels the same thing. I don't want to be far away anymore. I want to find a way to get back in the family. I want to find a way to get back home. How do I do that? And so that, that again, cup of coffee on the back porch. Hey, Father, please, like, just touch my heart. I'm telling you, every single day at 923 a.m., my phone alerts me to pray Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Because 923, see what it did there? Every day. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Listen, I can do that at home with a cup of coffee, just me and the Lord. But when he begins to search my heart and I get that pull to come home to him, I suddenly realize there are other people that are also being drawn back home to him. And I might not have seen those people in a while. Hmm. I don't even know what to do with that. Do you? I find myself wanting to be the older brother. Hmm. What you been doing? I know what I've been doing. Everything right. I didn't squander anything as I stand in the presence of God like this Sunday after Sunday. The Father wants us near each other. And listen, there is a cost to coming home. I, I read a story. It was a blog. I don't even know this person. I prayed for them as I read it. They were recounting a trip home for the holidays and how when they left home, everything went wrong. Like the car broke down. They had to get towed. They didn't have whatever, whatever. And at the end of it, the person was like, yeah, I mean, I went home for the holidays and it cost me $600. You know, like that's not a fun holiday. But it's a true statement. It costs something to go home for Christmas. I'll, I'll be home for Christmas. Yeah, and it'll cost you something. It, it could cost you your pride. You could have to lay some pride down, right? The older son, we don't know how the story ends. We'll learn more about that as the weeks go on. But what we know right now is he didn't go in. The father literally said, come in and celebrate with me because your brother who was dead is alive. And he was like, I will not go in because your son squandered your money on prostitutes. I don't know how he knew that. I think he spied on his brother. I think he sent people out to see, 
go find out what my brother's up to so I can have some stuff in my pocket just in case I need it. The young older son couldn't celebrate. Listen, our church, like a lot of churches, is experiencing the touch of revival, right? And can I just redefine that for you? I don't know what, when I say revival, I don't know what you think of. Like four services in a row. Oh, God, I have to give more offering that week. Four services, right? I don't know what revival means to you, guest speakers, but revival is, is, when, is when this that we're reading begins to happen. When prodigals, and how many people in the room are prodigals? Raise your hand. All. When all of us come home. Check this out. Perhaps a truer sign of revival is not the salvation of the lost as much as the celebration of the church over the salvation of the lost. See, the older brother couldn't even rejoice and celebrate that his brother was alive. He was so wrapped up in all that he had done right, he couldn't celebrate that his, son, his brother had been delivered from what was wrong. We, we've, my, I love Wendy. She's talked about this for years. Like, you go to churches and they'll get up and say stuff like, last week, you know, next week's our big give. So it'd be like if two weeks from now I got up and said, last week at the big give, our goal was $8,000, and you guys killed it, and you gave 9025 That's a prophetic word, 9025 And everybody just stands up and goes, yeah! And then I go, they go and, and hey, just this morning I pray with somebody to receive Jesus. That's not revival. Revival is older sons celebrating younger sons coming home because older sons realize that they also need to come back to the Father. It's celebrating. Heaven doesn't save people. Heaven celebrates saved people. When somebody comes to the kingdom... The Bible does not say that all the angels get together and send another delegation to tell somebody else about Jesus. They throw a party. They do what this father did. And if we can't enter into that party, we're the older brother. And we can get together and have packed places and great worship and all the stuff that we think looks like revival. And our hearts can be far from the father. Because the older son squandered the father's presence. All right, I got to wrap this up. Here we go. Just some real quick comparison and contrast. The younger son squandered the father's provision. If you're taking notes, just jot these down. The younger son squandered the father's provision, which means that he was bankrupt and he gained perspective. And he needed forgiveness. Um, bring your friends back next week. It's going to be a blast. Next week we're talking about pain. Did y'all hear Mr. T in Rocky Three when I said that? Pain. Remember that? What's your prediction for the fight? Pain. How God uses pain to bring us back home. Anyway, sorry. The older son squandered the father's presence. So check this out. 
If the younger son was bankrupt, the older son was bitter. If the younger son gained perspective, the older son wanted punishment. He wanted punishment. He wanted the father to punish the son for squandering his wealth. But the older son needed forgiveness, just like his brother. And the father, the prodigal father, who we'll talk about him more in the coming weeks. The prodigal father, prodigal simply means lavish. It means over the top. So this is called the prodigal son because the younger son went out and over the top squandered the wealth in wild ways, right? He was like, he would call one prostitute, he'd call five. He, he wouldn't throw a party for two people, but for 20. He squandered the wealth. But prodigal just means lavish. And so the father was a prodigal father because he lavished love on these kids that did not deserve it. He was benevolent. He sought peace. Oh. And I feel this is so strong today. And I, I don't know who it's for. If maybe it's for all of us. But he wanted peace. And so he received the son back. Right? I, I don't. Okay, I'll save it. We'll do it under the week. He wanted peace for his younger son, but then when you see him talk to the older brother, guess what he wanted? Peace. Will you please come with me? The father's always bringing children together. I mean, this isn't even like gospel stuff. This is like common sense. Parents, raise your hand. How many times do you say, say you're sorry? Say, I forgive you. And your kids are like, I'm sorry. I forgive you. And you're like, that's not good enough. I said it. With passion, right? Hug it out. Parents are always, it didn't drive you crazy when you were a kid. Parents are always trying to get their kids together. Like, just be happy together, right? They're just trying to get them together. He just wants peace. He wants the younger son to know that he's restored and he wants the older son to be a part of that restoration process the father was not content to just party he wanted his sons together we were talking this week john and i and it's like the older you get come on parents how many of you have grown kids that say stuff like what do you want for christmas and you're like uh you am i the only one I'm like don't 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 bring me anything but just come right Ask off work. Make sure you're here. Because that's what the Father, and that's the Father's heart. And do you see, the, do you at least, I mean, you just, you're going to nod your head, so I'll stop talking, I know. But can you see from God's perspective how he looks down on his church and goes, what are you doing? I don't want any of this. I mean, Zach, dude, that was, you killed it. That's not what I want. I mean, he, Keep doing it. He does. Paul, like, best sermon I've ever heard you preach. And you've got better ones coming. I know that. But that's not what I want. Because your heart is far from them. And, and they're my child. Do you see his perspective? And he's like, what are you doing? And we're just down here like, that was so awesome. And we've grown used to bitterness in our heart. 
And we've grown used to carrying around a fence. And we've grown used to distance from our siblings. All while we're worshiping a father who proved in Christ at Christmas that he will do anything to close the gap. He wants peace. And he offered the forgiveness that both sons needed. So as we're kicking the series off, I mean, this, this is the whole deal today. We're all prodigals. We all need to come home. And home is a person, not a place. And that person is Jesus. That person is the Father who would do anything to get us back together. Now, there's not really a simple way to end this message. I mean, I can, um, we can play some music and make you cry, and then you can walk out and think we had a great moment with God. But truly, the application of this message is probably going to be asking somebody to forgive you. Or at least telling God, my heart is not right. I, I'm too consumed with what everybody else is doing. And I'm, I'm content with just you. And I don't want to be bothered with anybody else. And these are attitudes that we have to bring to the, the Father. So I want to encourage you today to do that. Maybe as we're eating, there's conversations that we have with people who we just are able to say, this is going to be crazy, but I know when Paul was talking, I just kept thinking, like, I need to make this right. And that reconciliation, that's what the Father's after. Now, foreshadowing for the next week. Man, if we, if we don't come to God like that, we just continue to put ourselves on a path towards pain. It doesn't mean that when we're all right with God, we never have pain. Anybody testify? <laughs> you ever, like, gone through something really hard and you start doing the checklist? Like, wait, God, did I sin? I don't think so. Have I done something? No, I can't. We were talking about this, too. Like, that's, do you see how that's the older brother? How we, we, we I mean, I'll just be transparent because, again, I had the mic. What you say to God things like, wait, time out. My dad wasn't perfect, but he was a godly man. Like, he, he loved you and he loved people. And I love you and I'm loving people. And what do you, he's dead? Are you kidding me? We did everything right. That's how you start talk, talking to God. And here's what I need you to know. Your prodigal father, your benevolent father, your lavishly, recklessly loving God, understands the emotion and at the same time can look at you and say you don't earn this you're squandering my presence because you're putting me in a box and thinking I have to do things and so if that's our attitude then we're the Lord's and Jesus isn't I'm not talking about heaven and hell I'm just talking about how we live our lives right but Christianity is that Jesus is Lord I'm doing what I do because he's leading me. Not because I'm trying to rub the genie lamp and get something from him. And so many times, y'all, we, that deserve thing, we talked about this a couple weeks ago about when we are talking about karma. Like we have bought this lie about we deserve stuff. And that's the older brother. And when the son came back, he couldn't celebrate because you know why? My brother doesn't deserve a celebration. 
I've been watching all that he did. But I do. All right. Y'all just close your eyes. We'll pray this out. It's just so, it's so deep in me, y'all. And not, not in a, like I'm trying to convince you of how you need it. It's deep in me because I know how much I need it. So, Lord, I pray right now as we, as we bring this time with you to a close and we transition into, like, food and celebration and just hanging out together. My prayer, God, is that you would, you would reveal to us, Lord, where we need to change in our hearts. And, and the reason you're doing it, God, it's not because you want to punish us and beat us up and show us a list of all the ways that we messed it up. It's because your heart is that we would all be home for Christmas. Home with you. Home with one another. And God, for that to happen, we got to be close to you because we've got to have your heart. I want to receive people the way that you have received me. And there are so many in this room that are praying that same prayer right now. And so I just ask that you would fill them, God, with that compassion that that father had. And just before I say amen and we open our eyes, just let this last nugget sink down into your soul. Whether you relate to the younger son or the older son, I want you to know this, that the father, the father was looking for the prodigal to return. Not just because the father was a good father, but because the son was worth looking for. I don't know if you've squandered your life in wild living or if you've squandered his presence in church living. But I'll tell you this, he sees you as worth it. He's looking for you because he wants you. Not the stuff that you've done or haven't done. He just wants you. And if that's something that resonates with you right now, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and say, that's me. Maybe you're, maybe, it, I'm not even talking about like first time salvation, rededication, just, it just resonates. Just put your hand up and say, that's me. Thank you so much. And I'm going to pray over you, and then we're going to go eat. Father, these hands that were raised, that's a, that's a sign, God, of the work of your Holy Spirit calling your children home. And I love it, God, because home isn't a place. It's, it's a person. It's you. And that's what we crave more than anything else. And so I pray that you would just flood those hearts and those souls with your Holy Spirit and that you would continue, God, to draw them back to yourself in a way that is fresh and new and reminds them of the very first time. That time when younger brother and older brother used to play out in the yard and there weren't these things between them. There weren't offenses and hurts and anger. It was just them and a father watching and a bunch of laughing. I pray that you would restore that to us, God. In our church, in our families, and in our nation, God, and in the church worldwide, you are bringing prodigals home because you are building family. And that's what's going to carry a message of redemption to a broken world. In your name, Jesus. Amen.